Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike, navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, Narrow Way to Broadway. This is Emma, and I am here with my best bestie for the resty, Kelsey Bird. If you have ever seen any of our Narrow Way to Broadway branding, our logos, Kelsey very kindly did that for us when Narrow Way to Broadway was just a little baby dream two years ago. So we're super excited to be here. You'll probably hear the train in the background. We're in Kelsey's Chicago apartment, um, but I'm going to let Kelsey introduce herself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. Also, it's funny to me that this is the first time you've ever recorded with someone in person. Yes, this is strange. So welcome to my home. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so Kelsey, tell tell the folks at home what you do. I know like you you don't have a background in theater. That's the whole point of this conversation. But you do have a background in like the creative arts, super creative. Tell the people what you do. Yeah. So my closest touch to theater, which is not theater at all, I grew up dancing competitively. Yeah. So I would say I've danced to a lot of like the music from shows. So I feel like um, dance to stuff from Hairspray, dance to stuff from Chicago. So I feel like that was my like introduction to like honestly theater growing up was like, oh, I've like competed to this song. Like that'd be really fun. Um, However, professionally, not at all. Um, Not a thespian, in other words. Very creative though. Kelsey is a designer. Yeah. Like graph well, graphic designer. Is that what your formal title is? Yeah. So I do brand design and innovation yes. for Pepsi. Um, right. and work here in Chicago. And that essentially looks like a lot of graphic design up under the Haterade family mm-hmm. right now, which is cool. So very creative. Um yeah, it's my day to day. Amazing. Okay. <clears throat> Before we dive into talking about our good, our good, good show hairspray. I need you to make a lovely transition in telling the people your last creative encounter with the song, <laughs> You Can't Stop the Beat. <laughs> oh, this is so embarrassing. So in, um, I was a mega nerd in like middle school, high school. Honestly, I'm still a nerd. And by nerd, I mean like the annoying, overachieving type of nerd, not like Dungeons and Dragons type of nerd. <laughs> And so, you know, as one does, I was in the beta club in like the eighth grade yeah. and I was our beta club president and we, you go to national conventions <laughs> with like all of the other nerds that are in beta club and you compete against one another in like random events. And for some unknown reason, I decided to enter our entire beta club in the group dance competition <laughs> and I choreographed a song for all of these people that have never danced in their entire life to You Can't Stop the Beat. And we competed in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina and lost. And I am a bald my (laughs) eyes out on, I am like not a crier, bald my eyes out on the bus on the way home. I remember being so devastated. Um, But you know, alas, lessons learned. Don't choreograph incredibly complex uh, content for people who have literally never danced in their entire lives and expect to get gold. But yeah. It any was a passion project. Right. So any any aspiring choreographers out there, take Kelsey's advice. <laughs> Don't choreograph for the beta club. No yeah. matter how long no. how much you might get um paid or or um get to compete in Myrtle Beach. Which this is so funny. I don't know why, like the random connection all of our friends have is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I don't know why. 
here we are. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Okay. Anyway, so okay, everybody, we watched this is the talk a talkback episode our second one of the season the first one was philip and his roommates talked about into the woods today kelsey and i are going to talk about speaking of you can't stop the beat hairspray the musicale so hairspray okay i didn't know this hairspray was originally a movie in 19 in 1988 came out the same name then the new or and then the musical the broadway musical um like that one, I think it won eight Tony Awards, was nominated for 13 Tony Awards, came out in 2002. And then the movie that we watched with, you know, the star-studded Zac Efron, Michelle Pfeiffer, John Travolta, Nikki Blonsky, Brittany Snow, Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah like all these people, um, came out in 2007. So that's what we're talking about today, which, Kelsey, what, going into this encounter like you knew what we were going to talk about you knew we were going to like talk about biblical themes kind of like how it all ties together what was your kind of immediate response after watching this was it kind of exactly what you thought it would be was it because you were looking at it with a more critical eye a little bit unexpected like what are things you observed yeah I thought it would be an interesting pick when we were deciding to watch it just because you know how like high level the topic of racial reconciliation has been in the church in the Mm -hmm. past like couple of years and it's funny because hairspray is obviously set in such a different era but where the work of racial reconciliation looked very very different but was also very like incredibly top of mind Mm -hmm. um so I think that was my going in like oh there's gonna be um I'm interested to see how this maps to like a biblical picture of what that looks like versus um like secular cultures attempt to um what's the phrase that we use that's like get the kingdom without the king yeah Um, right the work of racial reconciliation that happens in our culture with people with incredible intent but that might not be jesus followers Mm -hmm. um that are like doing that same stuff so i think that's my i was like curious to rewatch with that lens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Right. Well, because I think what's so interesting to me, and when we watched this, I was trying to listen for like specifically lines that were like hot button lines where it talks about like fat phobia or racism or discrimination or freedom of expression. And it's strange because like never in the movie does Tracy like feel bad about herself really for like being fat. Like she feels bad because she can't get this dream that she wants. But, and and same thing with like the African-American community, the black community in the movie, it's like, they're the most fun. Like they're actually, they're like posed as the foil to like these really stuck up um, nicest kids in town, which is interesting because of like the specific labels that are kind of, uh, put upon even like the nicest kids in town, like the dynamos or are the dynamos, the dynamites, the, di- I think the, the three, dynamos. the dynamos. Yeah. So it's like, it's interesting how things are labeled because it doesn't overtly, it doesn't acknowledge overtly or verbally a lot of the nuance that the movie actually portrays, but it's all there. So I don't know. That was something I noticed. Um, okay. So we have a couple things that we want to talk about. One, what do you want to talk about first? I think we have to talk about Penny's mother first <laughs> because she's number one, such low hanging fruit. Yes. And I think she is such a good example of when anything in like pop culture attempts to depict a Christian character. Right. She is always how the Christian character is depicted. So totally. as we're talking about like 
biblical themes in a movie that has a lot of them. Right. It's funny that there is actually a Christian character and she's like the most wet blanket, mm-hmm. annoying woman. Right. That is like so anti right. everything the movie's about. Well, yeah. And it's funny too, because I just looked it up. I was like, wait, I can't remember her name. Penny's mom's name is Prudy. Her name is Prudence. That's not shocking. Which is hilarious because, <laughs> wait, what is the formal definition of Prudence? Like it's, it's, oh one, it's kind of like, um, chastity like it's kind of like used ironically more With now a ton of negative connotation ton of negative connotation like prudish is because yes. prudent prud- you know prudence so yeah okay it says the quality of being prudent or cautiousness which is so interesting because prudy pingleton is not cautious like what are the things we see her doing in the movie we see her literally tying her daughter to a chair and calling her devil child and like what does she like throw water on her or something i think she's she like locks her in the room and puts like the biblical prayer record on repeat. Yes, whatever, the like, Lord's Prayer. Yes. Like, okay, so what what does that say about? Because like clearly she's existing as some kind of stereotype, but I'm trying to think about how this you know how this obviously relates to you know Christian art, right, or or art in general, and it, it's kind of the question of like, does art normalize culture or does culture culture normalize art? And I think in this scenario it makes me wonder like when was the last time or have I ever in art seen a Christian character be like a normal person or is it always just this archetype stereotype of a crazy mom yeah I was thinking about this yesterday after we watched and one of the things that came to mind is like it's only entertaining to use faith as like a piece of someone's character when you can exaggerate it Mm -hmm. so like I think about honestly, how the Bachelor franchise has either leaned into or out of faith as a part of someone's, like, character mm-hmm. on the show, that it's entertaining for them when the person is, like, kind of crazy and misogynistic and, like, mm-hmm. goes off the rails. Right. And, like, it can be entertaining. But the moment that we're faced with somebody that's, like, oh, they're actually just, like, a really good, like, normal, wise person. Right. Like, well, that's – nobody cares about that. Right. Like, water under the bridge. Mm-hmm. And so – Or they're a virgin. Yes. It's like they're it's a virgin. Like, they're not a Christian. They're just a virgin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So if there's like a shock value, like interesting, like storyline to it, it's like, okay, we'll deal with Christianity then because it's like this trope. Mm-hmm. But the moment it's like, no, you're just like a really kind, wise, like contemplative person. It's like, right. that's boring. Right. Well, and also I think what's tough about this too is that in this case, in Hairspray's case, Prudy Pingleton, Prudence Pingleton, like demonstrates being on the total wrong side of history here. Like the the Christian character is perhaps I mean, of course, there's Velma and and um Amber von Tussel who exist as like the villains here, because they are very against the integration of the the Corny Collins show, the the network TV. Um, but then there's also like Prudy Pingleton, who is serving as like she doesn't want her daughter to have any personal interaction with people of color. Um so it, it, it honestly, it demonstrates what a lot of art demonstrates in that the culpability of Christianity or the culpability of Christian people to be on the wrong side of history for so long. And so it makes me wonder, like, I mean, I, and I think this is part of the conversation we'll probably get into of just, um, it's almost ironic that essential to the call of believers is to be, is to like, you know, speak justice, love mercy, walk humbly, and to like be for 
the marginalized and continually we see in art, especially in theater art or especially where people are involved, they're represented as being on the wrong side of what's to come. It reminds me of how many conversations um, I feel like we've heard the church have in the past couple of years around the difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping Mm. and essentially um, peacekeeping being, I think, everyone's fear response. And so you see like Penny's mom do that. She's like, we're not rocking the boat. My daughter's not getting arrested. Mm -hmm. I don't care if this is Mm -hmm. the right thing to do. I'm like over here in the corner, like trying to to, like pretend this isn't happening and like batten down the hatches and make sure nothing changes. And it's a fear response. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times that's kind of like conflict avoidant. That's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, if there's not surface level conflict, then keeping the existing status quo is the pursuit of like peace Mm. in like heavy quotation marks. And I think the temptation is to settle for that version of peace. Um, A lot of times when we're kind of implicitly taught that like conflict is bad, Mm -hmm. when I think what I've heard a lot of the church start talking about this year is peacemaking is being willing to challenge the status quo under the light of like the body of scripture Mm -hmm. and like God's coming kingdom and Mm -hmm. say like what pieces of this don't stack up Mm -hmm. and where I realize that that's the case. What's my role in making peace with like a capital P Mm -hmm. that is more in line with like the picture of eternity that we see in the Bible. And so it felt like that's been a really big conversation in the church this year. And you see the difference in Penny's mom is like, can't rock the boat, death gripping status quo. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you watch, like you said, I think in so many ways, the call of Christianity is to be like, if the goal is for heaven to invade earth, that implies that like heaven isn't here in full yet. And so our job is to like be stewards of ushering that in. And that implies being willing to question status quo, Mm -hmm. um, in a very like uncomfortable way. And I mean, this is kind of the next part of the conversation, but we see this with all of these different characters in Hairspray is like um, sort of the the climax of the show is when it seems to be like the conclusion has been made and that like TV is not going to be integrated, that they can't dance on TV. And Tracy basically says like, well, if we can't dance, let's just march. And so that kind of sh- like catapults us into Motor Mouth Maybell singing, I Know Where I've Been and doing the, the protesting. And so we kind of see this literal picture of people marching down the street with like these signs. And we see this conversation between Link and Tracy that happens where Link is like, yeah, um, like I believe in what you're doing, but there's going to be agents at this new thing that's that, you know, the thing that I'm going to be dancing at. So like, I can't risk it. Like I can't do that. And so then we see Tracy as sort of the sole representative of like the people in her community that claim to be for the change, but actually don't put anything on the line, which kind of, yeah, we talked about that a little bit yesterday. Yeah. I think you see like the difference and I think some of this is like a really good example of how like 
we are all created in personality so differently and not everybody is going to be the person that like knocks down the first domino. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think God like uniquely equips people to like have like the courage and the confidence to be the first, but Mm -hmm. God also uniquely equips a lot of people to be like the ralliers that are like talking to the masses and getting other people on board Mm -hmm. or like the Lang Larkins who are kind of like, okay, I was hesitant originally, but I, um, I think you see there is like a little bit of a redemptive edge of his character. If you watch him go from being very hesitant because it jeopardizes something for him to being more embracing. Right. Um, But yeah, I think there's a huge difference in like Tracy who is kind of like, I don't care if this jeopardizes my future on the show. Yeah. Which now that I think about it, annoys me that they like kiss at the end. I'm like, Tracy, (laughs) he's a follower. He's not a leader. Right. You can do better. Well, and it's interesting. You can do better, Tracy. Yeah, you can do do better, Tracy. And it's also (laughs) like this, um, it's kind of this thing of like change is going to come, like whether people like it or not. So then we, we see Penny, you know, the Pingleton character, Prudence Pingleton, is like resistant to change. We see Link's character who's like initially resistant to change, but um, ends up like grabbing Lil Inez and bringing her on stage for the dance competition. That's how she wins Miss Teenage Hairspray. Then we kind of see the characters who like after change is already in in motion and it looks like they're kind of going to be okay if they go along with it. Like that's like probably the Corny Collins character. Even, um, even sort of... Tracy's parents, I would say, fall into that category because they're very, like, they don't want her to go to the protest. Yeah. They don't want her to mess with any of that. Um, But then on the back end, they're, like, very embracing. Right. Right. And then we have Tracy, who I think this falls into the topic that we've talked about, about, like, Tracy, in some ways, like, her empathy for being, you know, Mm -hmm. marginalized in her own right, like, allows her to have the certain empathy to, like, risk something um and that reminds me of just like god using perhaps unlikely people to like usher in something redemptive um and also just what was the phrase you said about like the work the work not being over the work what was that yeah i this phrase has like come to mind so much for me this year like so much of my story is like god has taught me a lot through my relationship with my work and one of the things or like phrases that has been very top of mind this year is like, don't let the work like little W distract you from the work, like capital W. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that's like, you see the difference between like Tracy and Link's characters, like their little W work, this thing that they're like really jazzed about that they do with their time and their energy. is like being on the show. That's really fun. They want to like, in some cases, like make a career out of it. But then you look at like the big W, like the redemptive work is like the work of racial reconciliation Mm -hmm. and you watch like Link is distracted to be like he's there for dancing and Mm -hmm. he's like no 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 this other thing like can't get in the way and like mess up my future here Mm -hmm. and you see Tracy respond in the opposite way where she's like the little W is like yeah like dancing is like fun Mm -hmm. and this is great but like I I don't want to miss like the big thing that's happening here Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm willing to risk the little W for the big one Mm -hmm. and I think that maps so clearly to like just like my experience with career I would yeah it's like it's so easy to in Tracy's case she like got the thing that she's yeah. been like dreaming about for such a long time mm-hmm. and 
got it put in her lap. And then so interestingly, at the first opportunity to do something that might jeopardize it, she was unfazed by that. She was right. like, this just simply, there is something bigger here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think about that quite a bit in terms yeah. of like in the spheres that like God is allowing us to steward, mm-hmm. whether it be from like paid work or from the perspective of like, how do you use your time and your energy? Right. Are we allowing like the actual like semantics of a job to distract us from like the redemptive work that God is asking us to do or like be in that space? Yeah, that's so true. Do you think, okay, this is another thing that I I think really makes this movie pretty different is like, okay, in the scene where Velma is trying to like seduce Wilbur, okay, we need to talk about this because it's it's so weird, but it's also like, I want to talk about the beauty of just like faithfulness. Like he's not even, (laughs) like he's like weirded out by her. And, and we see this in, in opposition to like, um, there's all of these kind of role reversals that happen in the show where like Link ends up falling in love with Tracy in, in like a weird reversal of a way. Cause she's like the unlikely subject. Um, Velma like tries to seduce Wilbur to get what she wants. And he, he doesn't even, he says to, um, he says to Edna, like, it took me 15 years to even figure out you were flirting. Like I would never, um, but I don't know. I think you rarely see, you usually see kind of, like I said before, the nuance of like this, you know, this conventionally beautiful woman is like offering herself to you. And we see in, in, in TV, like infidelity all of the time, or at least like the nuance of like, is this hard not to do or hard not to give into? And like in Hairspray, it's like, Wilbur's like, what the heck? Like, it's not even an option for him. He doesn't even want to. So I'm wondering, like, is there something there that like needs to be discussed? It's such a funny scene. I I appreciate when she calls him obtuse because he's so <laughs> unaware and he's like, I failed geometry. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there is something sweet about the idea that like, there's so much underscore of like the conversation around like body image mm-hmm. in this movie um, or in this show. It's definitely talked about, but it's not at all the focus, mm-hmm. I would say. So it's interesting that you have like, Tracy and Edna is like a very different like body type character to everybody else that you see in the movie Mm -hmm. and then the way that they choose to depict like that marriage yeah is one that is like so steady and sweet Mm -hmm. and like faithful yeah and it's just interesting because they didn't have to necessarily do that right so you see um yeah I don't know it's definitely interesting right well and it's also interesting too because there you know the song in which you know redemption is represented is your timeless to me which it's not referring to like this skinny woman seduced me and you're a bigger woman and I love you it's like you're not you're like you you age beautifully like you'll always be for me and it has nothing to even do with like appearance really he talks about like it's, it's this weird parallel of like you being older, like you getting older and us aging together, like doesn't deter me from loving you or, or honoring the decision that I made when we were younger, which I'm like, that's so interesting. Like it, the show in some ways does exactly what you expect it to. And in some ways it doesn't because it, it just as easily could have been like 
the composer and lyricist writing a song about like bigger is better or whatever, which we hear, we see like Motormouth Mabel sing with Big Blonde and Beautiful, but it's like, oh, okay, we're talking about like being timeless to one another and honoring a commitment, not like, I still think you're hot, you know? It's not even about body type or appearance or attraction. Right. Directly. Right. Um, even though I feel like there are plenty of scenes where like they talk about that as yeah. well. Yeah, right. Yeah, 100%. Right, right, right. Okay, what else do we want to talk about? I feel like oh, – An interesting point that I, like, don't think we talked about when we were watching yesterday, but that I think is um, unique is – so you think about, like, somebody like Tracy, where from the very beginning we see her mom and her are very different from one another. Mm-hmm. Her mom tends to be more like, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to do the work I have to do. It's not supposed to be fun and glamorous. Mm -hmm. And then Tracy has this like desire to do something that really like stokes creativity and passion and whatever. And you see them set up as like opposites. Yeah. What's interesting is her dad actually, I would say like sits on the side of like, the creative entrepreneur Mm. he owns like literally a joke shop right i'm like this is like in terms of practicality like this man is not out here like hustling to make sure you know whatever right he is like arguably pursuing something that he's like super passionate about right so i think there's something interesting to be said there around like the role of voices in our corner Mm. especially when it comes to like I think one of the things I've realized in the past few years that we kind of talked about a minute ago is like the call of the believer is like a pioneering spirit. Mm -hmm. I think like the more that I grow as a believer, the more that I'm like, the job of a believer is not like death gripping status quo. Right. Like we are called to like bring heaven to earth Mm -hmm. and that requires stepping into stuff that is like big and scary and different and like shakes things up a little bit. Right. Right. And in a way, I think there's just something sweet about, like, the dad is in no way this, like, large character in the show. Right. But you think about just, like, the importance of, like, the undercurrent of, like, encouraging example mm-hmm. that it takes for somebody like a Tracy to have the courage to be, like, I can go out here and, like, shake a lot of this up. Right. In some ways, I've seen people in my close circle pursue passion over pursuing, like, rote practicality. Sure. Um, which I just think is sweet. Like the yeah. link between her and her dad, like mm-hmm. he is such like, in some ways, just not an important character. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know what else I just noticed? Like in terms of like voices feeding into um, the next generation, I think that also exists within Motormouth Maybell and Seaweed and that like fun crew is, you know, now that I'm thinking through the lyrics of I Know Where I've Been, like it's pretty, it's like overtly spiritual like religious like she says like just to sit still would be a sin and then the very last line is like I give thanks to my God because I know where I've been Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering like I don't think I think we notice the religious element with you know freaking Prudence Pingleton more because it's it's funny and it's like a joke but I think that you know of course it can't be ignored that so much of you know like particularly African religion is like so communal and is so much like the pioneering, like you said, spirit of this um, like Christian or biblically based protest. And I think that that's something 
we don't really notice. And I think too, it, it almost reminds me of like, I don't know if this is too much of a stretch, but it almost reminds me of like all throughout the Old Testament where I feel like I talk about this so much on this podcast, but like so much of um, the Old Testament is like God calling his people to remember how he delivered them from slavery in, in, in Egypt. And I, and I think that what's interesting too is that the composer and lyricist could have just as easy, easily written a song about the aspirational dreams of tomorrow, but instead the this like pinnacle song from Maybell representing this community is like, I know where I've been. Like, I remember where we once were. So I'm wondering like if that was an intentional choice on behalf of like the show itself. Because like, what, what would be the difference there? Like, let's say Hairspray came out in 2021 and the song was... I know where I'm going, not I know where I've been. I feel like it's so, um, there's like, so you notice in the show that like there are, I feel like there's a scene where they're in the studio and this is like one of the first times I think we're introduced to like the Negro Day cast. Right, and right. We're introduced to like that them as like the alternate to like they're one day a week or they're like one day a month slot. Right. And they do the new girl in town song and then yeah. Velma Von Tussle like gets her panties in a wad and is right. like mad about it right. and has like a confrontation with Motormouth about it. Right. And like says something mean. Right. And then I want to say right after she like threatens to cancel them. Right. And then I think there's this interaction between Motormouth and Seaweed and she's like, it's just one foot in the door. Like you've mm. got to just be continuing to put like one foot in front of the other. Like yeah. this woman's like, clearly we're not being like treated well or like valued here but it's right. almost like in a, in such a sad way and in such like this awful contrast to how you see like Velma's character you watch like the african-american community in this show literally clinging to like we can see where we've been and this is better than that yeah and so it's this undercurrent of like I think having to sit with the grief of acknowledging that like where we're sitting right now is by no means like an arrival. Right. There is, I think in the same way that we talk about like Advent this time of year where it's like, you're sitting in the middle of a, a like a yes and a not yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jesus has come, but like you look at the brokenness of our world and like heaven isn't here. Right. That it's in sitting in that space. Like you said, in the same way that I think a lot of times you cling to like, God's faithfulness in the past is what equips us to be able to like sit in a very difficult middle moment of yeah. like, this is not perfect right. like in any way, shape or form. Right. But in order to sit here with some degree of like resilience and joy and like all of the things that like essentially the fruit of the spirit promises, mm -hmm. it's like being able to look back and be like mapping God's faithfulness yeah. is I think such an important tool in doing that. Yeah, I think so too. And it's honestly, now that I'm thinking about the interaction, it's kind of fascinating because you could write a whole, you know, synopsis about why that kind of one interaction represents a lot of what we're still sort of like dealing with is because like Velma comes up to Motormouth Maybell because obviously we see the parallel between the the three black women singing the new girl in town, the three white women singing the new girl in town. Honestly, the other, like, the first version is candidly better. Like, it's just better. It's it's more of a bop. The choreography is better. We like listening to it more. But Velma walks up to um, Monomarm Mabel and is like, how dare you pick the same song as us? And Mabel says, they wrote it. Like, 
it was uh, in in some ways. I mean, again, I don't know if this is like a stretch, but I think you could argue that it's like um, like appropriated art of like they took something that was not theirs, they made it, they whitewashed it into like what they wanted it to be, and then claimed it as their own. And it's interesting because motor, yeah, like Maybell's response to that was still continued to be like, okay, like one foot here we are like this is this is unjust also it's ironic too because the whole song called the new girl in town is about people being like jealous of something new something changed and then the girl gets hit by the bus at the end it's like look out look out look out she was the new girl in town and it's it's like trying to i think what it does is it makes it sort of makes light of something but it kind of exists as this microcosm of like okay like something new came in and it was like shaking things up and then like it dissipated again. Like it went, it went away again, again, might be a stretch, but I think that's probably semi-intentional on the, on behalf of the show to, to choose that. Yeah. I think to that stands in sharp contrast to, so like the next time that we see a piece of like black culture or black art, like basically like cross the divide is when like Tracy goes to detention, learns, like, right. I can't even remember what this dance is called that like seaweed teaches Oh yeah, what is it called? Something after dark. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. He like teaches her a dance that he made up and she's like really into it. And then when they go to the school dance where they're being like chosen to be on the show, you see in contrast to the New Girl in Town series where it's appropriation, it's ripped off, they're yeah. not given credit for it. And then they're chastised for like, quote, stealing the work they actually created. And in contrast to that, you see Tracy, like, with full awareness that she's like, oh, my gosh, this is this incredible dance you did. Mm -hmm. She approaches Seaweed originally and is like, come dance with me. Right. Um, Do it with me. We want to, like, show Courtney or whatever. And he is the one that's resistant. He's like, no, 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 you know I have to stay over here. Right. he's like, why don't you go far away? And you, Mm -hmm. like, I want you to do it. Right. And so you see, like, through her position in whatever that even is and Tracy's even like disadvantaged in the eyes of like white culture because of her size that she is like by um, contrast she's still in a more privileged position than like seaweed would be right so she takes his art with his permission and he's like yeah yeah you go borrow it go show him how it's done right and that lands her on the show right that ends up being the doorway by which she gets his little sister on the show. Right. Um, so just like the use and like the elevation of, um, I guess like minority voices, we see that done two different ways with mm-hmm. like you watch Velma rip it off and then yeah. like take credit for it mm-hmm. versus Tracy is like, what does it look like to use my position to elevate right. your art, your talent, mm-hmm. and then also make sure you're the one getting credit for that. Yeah. Today. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because like immediately when we were deciding what piece we wanted to watch, I was kind of like, I don't know, like hairspray is it seem it seems kind of basic. Like it feels like the obvious themes are you know, fat phobia and racism and like you know discrimination. Um, and like I don't know if that provides like super obviously like it provides <clears throat> good content to talk about but like not super nuanced content or or like deep content but i think that this show is actually pretty masterfully created in that and that's why it won all these tony awards is because it actually 
make something accessible for people through like dancing. Like I think that there's this beautiful picture of like um, not it's not everybody is doing the same dance in the show in the movie. It's like we have the nicest kids in town are doing this kind of like uptight la la la. Um, pony pony kind of dancing and then we have like the kids in detention doing this like fun whatever after dark like dance where like there's there's certain expression that is like inside of people through dance that they get to express and then they kind of learn one another's and then the the final culmination of the show is like (laughs) it's so funny because the end of the show is the one thing that I would maybe critique in that like it all just truly gets wrapped up in like this perfect bow where like all is forgiven Every, like TV is officially integrated. Link and Tracy are in love and Velma gets fired or whatever. And we then forget that there's an arrest warrant out for yes, Tracy. Yes. <laughs> there's never close the loop on that. Yes. There's literally an arrest warrant out for her. Yes, you're and sure. she magically comes in with this brand new do. Yeah. And it's like, okay, she's great. Now. Yeah, no, exactly. Going to prison, but with like a fresh yeah. <laughs> No, that's so true. But I don't know. I think that I'd be curious to chat a little bit about how the how it would be different um, if the show like what do you think would have changed the most at the end of the show? Would it have been like Tracy being like no link like you're not a, you're not a leader? I don't want to be with you. Would it have been TV still not being integrated and it being left without a, a bow tied around it? Like what do you think would have made it the most unique or the most realistic even? I think it's unrealistic to me that she and Link end up together Yeah. in general. Link, over the course of the show, I'm like, buddy, you are such a follower. Yeah. And I'm like, Tracy, you are just now the new, like, lead whatever thing. So he's like, perfect. I'm going to be next to you. Yeah. Um, what I do like that's interesting that you see, like, if you look at even how Tracy, like, looks in the very first scene where we see her getting ready for school the like character visual transformation they make very apparent in the last scene. One of the things I think is really interesting that does land well amidst some things that don't is like the first scene we see all of her like physical appearance is in service of looking like all of the people. Like it's very aspirational. Yeah. The big hair. It's very like big hair. Everybody else does this. I'm trying to blend in. Right. I'm like different, but I'm trying to look like everyone else. She's like, Jackie Kennedy does her thing like this. Like, She's attempting to be everyone else. And then when she shows up at the end, you actually see them put her in like a fit that's way more 70s inspired. Yeah. And so you can see her character start like literally like visually embracing right. the future. She right. doesn't come in with a like massive teased up hair. Right. It's like straight. She honestly looks like a little bit of like a 70s go-go vibe. Right. And so you see her start picking up like she now looks different in the middle of all these people mm-hmm. as like a little bit of a, like a lead yeah. in charge of the pack. So yeah, I, I can appreciate that. Um, but I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm most rubbed the wrong way by the fact that she and Link kiss. <laughs> like unrealistic, <laughs> Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would not happen. Yeah, no, totally. I think, I think you're right. I also think that, mm, I think there is something about the end of it that gives us hope and like aspirational for the future. It's like, also, it's so funny to me that all of this, um, the whole Teenage Hairspray contest is based on a vote because all of a sudden it's like Lil Inez comes out and dances really well and all of America is not racist anymore and like votes for her to yes. be like, what in the world? Like, that's not, that's like, if this really is a, something that's up in question, like she 
people's minds are going to be changed by you like being good at your art. So I think that what we see there is a little unrealistic, but it, but it gives us hope for something that could be. Um, so I think that maybe if I were, you know, like I, I know that some modern shows or modern adaptations of the show will like not wrap it up so well in a bow. I don't think they like change any of the plot, but there's like still, it's not so hunky dory at the end. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was like an interesting thing to observe is like the whole show ends with like a picture of Link and Tracy kissing still two white people, like, yes. <laughs> you know, or, or when she's like, I'm now a checkerboard chick with Amanda Bynes character. <gasps> we didn't even talk about Penny at all. Oh, we didn't talk about Penny's character. And honestly, I think she's so undervalued and so good. Penny and Seaweed is probably my favorite duo yeah in the movie you know what's interesting though is that i think one thing that's interesting is that penny is the only character that actually crosses that like actually represents anything personally integrated like yeah we have you know link and tracy as like a a diverse in size couple but then we also like we we see Tracy or sorry penny and seaweed is like this integrated couple of like they fall in love but you know what What kind of like is interesting about that is that Penny is also portrayed to be like kind of ignorant and sort of like a little bit stupid. So I wonder like what it, what would be changed if Penny was like Tracy's really, really smart friend in that like I don't I don't know if it ages well to have the only integrated couple be like the stupid girl. Yeah. And the black guy like I just I just don't I think that I would maybe change that. Because I think she's really caring. Like, she has a really good heart. We love Penny. Everyone loves Penny. But she's still not – she represents, like, sort of, you know, willful – not even willfully. She's just, like, not very smart. So I wonder how – I don't know. I wonder how it would be different. Is there any other, like, picture of that in the show? I can't remember. I think what's interesting is, like, you see her character. Number one, she's, like, very childlike. Right. And she's also very – she's just, like – Tracy's like wait moment like she's down for whatever you can even see she has like a little bit of her mother in her where she's like a little scared to rock the boat she like wants to watch the Courtney Collins show right. like you know do whatever but she is still like she doesn't want to go to the protest she's yeah. a little like and I think what's interesting is like you watch like reconciliation doesn't always have to look like Tracy mm-hmm. so I think it's interesting that like as we watch like the theme of racial reconciliation played out through Penny she is not the like lead charge the pack with mm-hmm. the bullhorn like rock the boat type mm-hmm. of character but we also see a theme of like this very childlike just normal embrace of like oh well I just I love this person yeah and I just her mind, like him she's not, yeah like rocking racial stereotypes right but to her i think because her character is so like simple or childlike it's so matter of fact yeah she's like why would this be a problem i love him right and so in a way it like boils down what was very controversial at the time to a character that's like it just is what it is right i really love him why can't we be together right and um yeah, just like really simplifies it and then like gives her mother an aneurysm. Yeah, right, right, right. Prudence. Mm-hmm. Prudence dies. Seaweed. Amazing. Yes. I think I think we both agreed seaweed, like is as, as great as Zach Efron is, seaweed oh. gets my MVP of the entire movie. For sure. And like this guy, like so good. If, for, since the very beginning, he's always the one that I remember is like, uh, he's just so magnetic in okay. in his performance. And I would be I would love to see well, I probably will in a couple months see a live production of the show but it's just crazy to see 
how, how seaweed really like especially when you're casting the show like i would argue that if i were casting the show seaweed would need to be the most like the best dancer period and then like also just the most engaging performer because a lot of the the things that need to be crossed and the, and the trains that the audience needs to jump onto are because of seaweed honestly seaweed and probably maybell um which is interesting that's good stuff Anything else, Kelsey? I think we've covered a lot of ground here. I think so too. I mean, we're we're right at time. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show. You did such a good job. Okay, everybody. So um, that was Kelsey Bird. Follow her on Instagram if you want to. She literally never posts anything, um, but she's the best. And we thank you for coming on. And we'll see you all next time. We love you. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share with your friends. We release new episodes every week. If you want to keep up with what we've got going on, head over to Instagram and follow us at InwayBWay. We'll see you next time.